the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 222 for our Thursday, October 15th, 2009. <laughs> Greetings, folks! It is... The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I'm Dave Hamilton, sitting right across from me, next to me here in the uh, in. And we get a, a nice view here, John, where, where of the flight path uh, for final approach here for McCarran. And if you look out the window of our lovely hotel room here at the yeah. Hilton, you can see a big monster plane just coming in, and and you'll see them all day long. They just keep coming on by. We are in Las Vegas for Blog World Expo 2009. How you doing, John? Whoa, that one's close. Yeah, they come real close. And I can see the mountains, too. Yeah. We don't have that stuff in Connecticut. Well, we we do kind of. Not really mountains, though. But anyways, no, this is a... um, We're gearing up for the show. I think uh, one part of it is today, and uh, the the major part of it is tomorrow. That's right. We'll uh, uh, probably be reporting on what's happening. We've already met up with a lot of our uh, podcasting friends, and I anticipate that we're going to have a podcaster versus blogger uh, uh cage match smackdown yeah okay <laughs> are too... you ready to rumble because they're just two different types of people oh yeah that's yeah. right yeah no. we're, we're, we're all we're all yeah. kind of in the same boat yeah absolutely but anyways i think this is going to be uh what we would consider a normal show here um in that you know we have uh, all sorts of uh you know problems and solutions and you know one of the people that had a lot of problems if i could start here dave yeah is me Oh, I, we did. We had a guy named John call in, and uh, and and he complained about a bunch of problems that he had. <laughs> so, so, John, tell it. Why don't you tell us about it? Well, I'll tell you my tale of woe. Okay. So, uh, some of you that you know follow me on Twitter uh, may may have seen that I did this. Um, th- the advice here is don't drink and compute. Basically, in a nutshell, what happened is uh, uh, I knocked a uh, actually one of my favorite uh, beers into. Knocked it over in the vicinity of the computer, and of course, these things are almost magically drawn to the computer. So it not only dumped a lot of it into the keyboard, uh, it also nailed my iPod Touch. So as soon as it went in the keyboard, I like immediately panicked. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Took the machine, immediately turned it upside down to drain out most of the liquid. Okay. Um, brought it over into the kitchen and actually put it on top of a paper towel and continued to let it to you know drain out. Okay. So I think the first advice in something like that is turn off the power as quickly as you can. Yeah, get the battery out if, if, yes, if it's I pulled the battery. Yeah, so I pulled off the AC power, pulled the battery out, right. uh, turned it upside down to drain out the liquid, hoping that you know everything would be okay. As it turns out... Now, now let, let's talk about this, because I, I know there's, a, there's a, a, an end to this story, of course. But um, now, when you, when you said you turned the machine over, you left it open... With like the screen hanging off the table yes. while the keyboard was on a paper towel or something right. draining out into it. Okay, yeah. I'm just trying to think. What would be is, is that? You know, in in hindsight, is that the best course of action? I guess it is. I mean, as it's draining the you know whatever liquid is in there could get all over things that it had not yet touched. But I, I don't know that. I don't know that there's a better answer there. Uh, so. To me, and and as it turns out, when I looked at the the aftermath, uh, yeah. it, it seemed to be the best thing to do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just like, trying to give people because you have a split second to make the right or wrong decision, right? In it here, and so I'm trying to you know talk through it so that as our listeners you know perhaps uh, it, it, you know uh, wind up in the same situation they have a little bit more insight. So, but I, I think you did the right thing. I don't. I can't think of anything better. Right. So okay. So then what came up is now what do I do? Do I well? I have Apple Care on this machine, but I don't think they cover self-inflicted damage. Like yeah, typically this. spills are not <laughs> on the list. In fact, they're they're very specifically not on the list. So then uh, I remembered uh, that this is someone that you and I have, I think, used in the past, Dave. And uh, just a disclaimer here: they did not pay me to say this. I am, but I am a satisfied customer. So I went to ifixit.com. Yep, these are folks that both publish for free uh, guides on how to do. Uh, upgrades and repairs on uh, maybe not back to the first Mac, but certainly the the, the very latest. And and yeah. I have what's called the uh, Penryn. You you and I both have the uh, the Penryn, yeah, fifteen inch machine. So they help you identify it, 
And what I did is I got not only a keyboard, including the tools that you need, which is a torque wrench and a Phillips screwdriver and, and what they call a, a spludger or a little thing yeah, that's used the, to like pry things up. The spludger to pry things open, sure. Yep. So they sell those. They sell the keyboard, and then just for good measure, I also got what they call the, the top half of the case, because something also got into the power button, so oh. the power button was sticky. Well, actually, so, I knew that I needed to do a repair, because what happened, so once the machine dried out and I powered it on, so it did power on, which made me feel that's, good. Yeah, it's not the logic board. Here's the bad news, though, what happened is when I started the machine up, as soon as I started it up, what I saw on the screen was a dialogue asking me which disk it would like me to select for boot up. So it thought the option key was down. Exactly. Now... That's bad because even if you get past that point, if you're gonna, if you want to try to log in, you can't do anything. <laughs> now, as a note, though, what I was able to do temporarily is I was able to plug in an external keyboard, and that worked fine. It it saw that, okay, and ignored, ignored the option the key keyboard being... with the option key stuck down. Okay. Once it said, "Oh, US, external USB keyboard," okay, I'll I'll talk to you instead. Wow. So I was able to use the machine, but then I was, you know, and it was, the thing was, it was like a week before this show, and I'm like, oh, man, this is like the oh, worst time for this to happen dude. to me. So do I, do I dive in and try to fix it, or do I buy a new machine? And as much as I'd like to buy a new machine, this machine's only uh, one and a half years old. Yeah, so let, let's talk about the, the price. Now, you bought a new keyboard and a new upper assembly, essentially, yes. right? So that gets you a new trackpad as well. Uh, yes, uh, so what did that cost you for the keyboard, the the trackpad, you know, upper assembly, and then of course the um, tools? That I they... believe the keyboard was ninety bucks. Okay. The upper case was about uh, two ninety nine or three hundred bucks. No. And the tools were yeah. So that was, but there's a lot of stuff in there. Oh yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. And then they also have the step by step instructions. And because I got both of these, I was actually able to kind of skip some steps. I kind of had to look at the two sheets because. Right. Right. Um, so anyways, followed the instructions, you know, took off the case, took out the keyboard, um, you know, per their instructions, put everybody back in, closed it up, and it worked. And it's still working. Um, the, the only thing, now here are a couple of things that happened. So one is I did misplace one of the keyboard screws. There so you whole, made it more efficient. <laughs> and I still got to figure where that screw is. Um, but there are 12 screws that hold the keyboard to the to the case. Now, yeah. The other thing is that they also include in their kits all the little stickers and covers and whatever you have. And the interesting thing is that, uh -huh. for the most part, the keyboard, um, under the keyboard, is these two big black stickers. Right. And I right. think they to, may the, the have... The pads to hold things up yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So I think they may, have, they may have helped prevent the liquid from dripping into the rest of the machine. Oh, Not yeah, recommending, of course, that you do. Now, the only thing that happened, though, was that... So when I started the machine up, the only thing I noticed that wasn't working, because this is part of one of the connections that you have to make, was the keyboard backlight. Oh. And what happened is that... So the F5 and the F6 key on the keyboard control the backlight. And what happened is when I pressed them, it showed a little line. Saying, no, no, can't do that. Really? Now, the thing is, I thought I had not plugged in the uh, keyboard backlight cable. And as it turns out, the first time around, I had missed that step. Okay. Okay. But then the second time around, I'm like, you know, this thing's not working. I don't get it. Yeah. Here's the thing. I found this wonderful little utility called Lab Tick. This okay. will override, because the thing is, what you have in the machine is an ambient light sensor. And if it's too bright... It won't work. It's never going to light up the keyboard backlight. Oh. So that's what it's saying to me. But this utility will override that. Yeah, so you're really? experimenting with it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and think yeah, as you noticed, it's... The ALS, the, the ambient light sensor on, on our machines is on the left-hand side. And if you put your, your hand over the left-hand uh, speaker, you'll see the screen dim if you, if you have it set that way. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Huh. So... Lab tick. Um, yeah, and, and I have a link to it. It's a labtick.procullo.de. Okay. Um, and the guy's actually on Twitter. He actually got back in touch with me saying, wow, you know, I'm glad my utility helped you out in this case. So yeah. once I got his utility, I, I was certain that everything was hooked up right. And the machine has been working for several days. So uh, I Man, am totally goodness. thrilled with iFixit. If you have repairs that are, you know, less than the cost of buying a new machine, um, now that see that for it. that that requires it, the prerequisite for that is that you're willing to open up your machine to fix it yourself yes and they rated this and i would agree with their thing um they rate this as moderate difficulty yeah. 
You could follow the steps. I mean, they, they, right. they lay it out very nicely. If you've seen their guides, they have, you know, there's pictures. They, well, so, they tell you so what to do. So here's the interesting thing. A couple of, when I put this run core drive in my machine, I used the iFixit free guides, you know, that they provide on the site to, to show me how to replace the hard drive in here. And so I, I sat down with my son and, uh, and he was kind of my extra hands and we were going through the steps. He was doing great. And we got the drive in and everything was great and it powered up and everything worked. And then later that night, I was using the machine, and I noticed the left speaker um, was working, but the right speaker was not. And I thought, mm. oh, man, you know what? How is this possible? Because I saw where the speaker cables were. I'm like, I, we weren't anywhere near there. So I, uh, so I opened it back up again and kind of looked at it and was like, yeah, we didn't go any, you know, we, the, the laptops are built in layers and the speakers are, you know, below the logic board. So you have to take everything out to even get at the cable where the, the mm. speakers are. So it's like, well, yeah, everything seems fine. So I put it back together and it worked for about five minutes and then it mm. stopped working again. I thought, oh, crap. So that's when I took it into Apple and they fixed it for me and they showed me the, that you know, they, they just replaced the speaker assembly and the... I looked at it because I wanted to see what happened. And sure enough, one of the wire, the wire that was going to the, the right speaker, one of them was crimped. And mm. I think it was, I think it was in the wrong spot to begin with. And then as we were applying pressure in there, moving things mm. around, we just sort of, you know, made the, the final little death blow on the, uh, on the thing. So now, you know, now it's in there, but, but you know, I, I'm always hesitant about taking my laptop apart or any laptop apart. And then of course to, to take it apart and have that happen was like, oh, crap, you know. But all's yeah. well that ends well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's probably not for any everybody right. if you're uncomfortable opening the machine. Right. Uh, I'm sure you can find a, you know, Apple certified, uh, you know, place near you that's willing to do it. I'm not sure if you brought it to an Apple store if they would. They would. Um, no, they, they well, would. for a price. They, they'd charge you. Yeah, you, you might have better luck at... Uh, you know, an Apple authorized kind of third party place mm -hmm. uh, and you can find those on their site. And if you can't find one of those local to you, then uh, there are options like Tech Restore and Mac Rescue where you can send the machine off to them. They will fix it for a price, of course, and then overnight it back to you. Mm -hmm. uh, and the techs, I've used both of them and, and the techs are good. So, you know. Yeah. So, so if you're okay, cool. you know, getting into the works there. And then another thing I found, yeah. just uh, things that acted up, but I was able to fix and I'll link to a thread discussing this. Okay. So, you know, I saw that little, you know, symbol with the line through it once. And this happened again. So when I was on the plane, I, I was watching a DVD, actually yeah. Mystery Science Theater. Um, but it was at a weird angle because the inconsiderate people in front of me decided to fully recline their seat, which I don't know about you, but that drives me nuts. Hey, you know, it, it's the, it, the, the airline builds the seat to go back that far. Yeah. That's, that, that's just how it goes. The problem, it made it difficult, but not impossible for me. You know, my, it does. My it makes it impossible like to use a V. No, I was able to watch a movie, but then, and I plugged in my headphones. Now, what happened is okay. once I get back to my hotel room and I wanted to fire up my applications, um, I hit the, you know, the, the volume for the speaker, and I saw the same little you know, circle with a line through it saying, I'm not going to, I don't acknowledge your speakers. And I'm like, what? So I go to the sound system preferences, sound, uh, output, and it says digital output. And I'm like, what? And I look on the side of the machine and I see a little red light. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man. And I think you and I have talked about this before. And I so wish I went you had called me. Well, I went online and, and fortunately I was able to find something at a MacRumors.com had an article. They're not the only source, but the first one that came up with a match when I Googled for... Uh, you know, optical out. I think it was in yeah. MacBook Pro. Yeah. Apparently, this is a this connector has a fault sometimes right. in which, uh, and maybe it was because I had the machine at a strange angle or I took it out at a strange angle. But whatever releases when you pull out the headphones did not release, right. and I was under the impression that there was a digital audio device. The hint to me was that I could see the red light in. The yeah, connector. yeah. There's a door at the back of the of the speaker or the headphone jack. And and yeah, if you put something in there that goes in too far, it opens that door, which then shines the red light and gives you your mm. audio out. But when it when you take it out, it's supposed to come out. For that reason and that reason alone, I carry what they call a TOS link, T O S link adapter. Oh yeah, yeah. And I have it in my travel bag, and uh, I'm, I'm showing it to John right now. But it's it's the thing that you would plug into the speaker jack 
uh, and then plug your uh, your standard Toshiba uh, you know light pipe that mm-hmm. you'd have with your stereo. But the nice part about this is it pushes all the way in, forces the yep. door all the way open, and then, in my experience, is enough to you know then kick the door shut when you take yes. it out. So, so what I saw, so the article I saw suggested a toothpick. But yeah. I did the MacGyver thing, and what I found in my room that was close enough to do this was yeah. the pen cap on one of the Hilton pens in my room. Oh, all right. There you go. That was of the right size to yeah. go in there and, and release this, and then all of a sudden my speakers came back. Awesome. I don't think that's related to the other mishap. I think no, I think, it, I think you're right. I think it's the angle that you had your headphone jack at, you know, mm. whatever, push that door open just enough to, to, to trick it. Cool. Okay, so my tale of woe turned into a tale of no more woe. And, no more and, now, and, and actually, when I got in the machine, I was able to fix a couple of other issues I had. One is I had a wobbly hinge oh. on the right side. And when I opened the machine, I noticed that there was a large piece of metal and a screw that happened to be the same Torx uh, as the Torx screwdriver they included. Yeah. And there was a little piece of yellow tape over it. I didn't know why, but basically, I pulled the yellow tape away, turned that down, and it was loose. And now my hinge oh. is okay. And the other thing is... Um, my machine, I think I told you this, was not closing properly. Probably because of the hinge. No. Oh. The button on the front, what happened is there, what I'm going to, uh, the technical term I think is schmutz. No. But but there was a combination of oil and dust and whatever. Schmutz. Yeah, schmutz in the button area. And the problem was it was, it made it so that the button would not come out fully. And if the button doesn't come out fully, then the latch mechanism doesn't that pulls close. those little claws down doesn't yeah. always engage so actually i was able by taking because i didn't just do by taking off the top cover i was able to to examine and fix a couple of other issues that had happened over time cool anyways happy ending ifixit.com they're they're great love them they didn't pay me to say that um and even if you don't buy the parts from them they still have these free guides which i think is is a great draw and just a nice service to the mac community there you go well there are some people that do pay us to say things and uh the first of those this show uh, is our sponsor Barebones at barebones.com and they have been for years making BB Edit which is a text editor uh built for programmers now anyone can use it uh you can open it up and start typing in there or open up a text file in there it does a couple of cool things uh it'll do a soft word wrap so if you've got a file where the lines uh, are supposed to extend on for years and years and years I use it to open things up and and you can do what they call a soft word wrap where it wraps it in the file when you view it, but it doesn't change the file on the disk. Uh, Beyond that, though, really what the software is meant to do is edit code, and it can be basically any type of code. It can be JavaScript code, it can be C code, it can be uh, HTML code, Uh, and you can, once you save a file and bring a file into this, it will automatically detect what language Uh, That's in. So if you're in, say, PHP and you come across a function, you can then it highlights the function in different colors and you can twist the function closed to fold it up just like you would with a folder in the finder. And it kind of collapses that function. So it just sits all on one line. And if you want to see the contents of the function, you twist it down and open it goes. Now in BB Edit 9, uh, they have added a feature called sleep, which I find so helpful. Uh, It's It gives you the ability, you can have a bunch of different files open in various states of being saved or unsaved, and if you sleep the software, it quits the the program, you can shut down, you can reboot, whatever you want, and then when you relaunch it again, everything opens exactly as you had it, and very quickly. So this is really cool, and I even went into the preferences and remapped command Q to be sleep instead of quit. So now if I have to quit BB edit, you know, I always have a bunch of files open that aren't saved, that are just sort of in a state of flux. And uh, and it's very handy not to have to go through and save each one. BB edit just saves it right inside. So that's BB edit from barebones.com. It's 125 bucks US to buy it outright. If you own an older version, it's 30 bucks to upgrade. If you're a student or work uh, in some capacity in the educational field, it's 49 bucks uh, and all available at barebones.com. So we thank them for being our sponsor and go check it out. Of course, you can download a free trial right there at barebones.com as well. 
John, let's get on to uh, some questions. I'm going to go to Harvey first. And we're in a, I should explain, we're in a, a setup we've never used before. I'm pretty sure we're recording. And if you folks are hearing this, we in fact <laughs> did record uh, successfully. But uh, whenever we are in a, a travel situation where John and I are in the same place, the one drawback that we have is that we wind up using one microphone instead of two. Of course, when we're you know, going over Skype, John has his own mic in his house, I have mine, etc. Uh, so this time I'm actually using two mics and we're using the Zoom H4 recorder, which is its own, you know, standalone field recorder as a USB audio input device. It has mic jacks on the back of it. And so I'm using that to pass through into the Mac. So John and I each have our own microphones. We're sitting across from each other here in the hotel room. And uh, it's actually quite comfortable because we're not, you know, fighting over and sharing, trying to share a mic and I think the sound is pretty good, though we don't have our compressors and pop filters or anything here, so you will hear us. Uh, I'm trying to turn away from the mic anytime I say peas and that sort of thing. Uh, so it, the other thing that gets interesting is these audio comments, but we heard the theme music, so I think that means we will also hear Harvey. Hi, John, Dave. It's Harvey from Long Island. Had this problem for a long time. Love your show. That's not the problem, though. Uh, the problem is, Sometimes I'm working on one space and I do an operation on it on my Leopard machine and then I switch to another space while I'm doing something. Meanwhile, a dialog box comes up on the space that I had asked it to do something. When I go back to that space, the dialog box doesn't exist. I can't find it anywhere and I can't do anything with the program that's there because it's waiting for some action to be done on the dialog box. Any clue on how to find the dialog box other than force quitting the application and doing it again? Uh, would appreciate it. Uh, you can cut me off here. My and I think I successfully cut him off too, John. Now, my initial, the, you found the answer, Dave. I but think I, I think, did. Um, my initial thing is that I thought it may be, because I have run in this, into this with other apps, I was trying to find a pref file because sometimes for whatever reason, applications will store the coordinates of where windows are and sometimes especially if you're spanning different screens and all that, or using something like Spaces as he's using. Sure. That just gets messed up, and it'll be off in hyperspace somewhere. Uh, I've actually had this happen, oddly enough, with an application called Yammer, which is an air app, and they've actually added a new menu choice in there, reset window position, because for whatever reason, I don't know if it's um, you know, it's air or what, but uh, the, the window gets in a spot where you can't see it. But anyways, I did not find a pref file for uh, expose and uh, spaces. Th those are in the same place. So I was, you know, my strategy was to go to one of the preference folders, mess around with that, and see if anything updated to the latest time and date. And yeah, just stir the pot a little bit and see what goes on, right? That's the, the, So that, for a lot of problems, I think, is maybe the first approach. Is if yeah. you think it's preference-related, mess around with something in the appropriate control panel or application, see if a pref file changes, and then you've identified the one, and then toss it and see if oh. things fit. But in this case, I didn't find it. Now, Dave, it sounds like you've run into this, and, and I, I think have. you're going to offer um, what I think is, is a good uh, solution for this. Yeah, I, I've run into this before. It drives me crazy. Uh, I've even run into it without spaces being on, where a dialog box gets, box gets buried and you can't find it. Uh, what I do is I use Expose's show all windows command, and that shows every window that's open in every application kind of tiled across your screen. And all you got to do is hunt around and find that dialog box and click on it and boom, it'll come up to the front. And then you can, uh, you know, and then you can interact with it, of course. So that, to me, that's been the answer. You know, John, you mentioned, you, you said hyperspaces. Um, th there's actually a piece of software called hyperspaces. That's pretty cool. Uh, I, I hadn't, it, it's something that, that should have been in, in our Cool Stuff Found list, and I don't think we have mentioned it yet, but we might have. Uh, it's actually pretty cool. It it allows you to set colors for different spaces so you can kind of know where you are. Uh, on the. You can have different backgrounds for each one. You can have hot keys to go to a, directly to a certain space, uh, and you can give them each names instead of it just being space one, space two, space three, space mm. four. So it's pretty cool. I think it's like it's like thirteen bucks. It's a it's at hyperspace hyperspacesapp.com, and of course we'll put that in the uh, in the show notes. But I don't okay. think that would have have directly solved Harvey's problem. Uh, I think Harvey's problem you just pull up an expose and and find that pesky dialogue because it's going to be there somewhere, and and that's the way to do it. And and you know don't 
don't hold spaces being enabled as a prerequisite for this. It works just fine uh, to find dialog boxes without it, because I see that all the time. Now, there's, so, there's something weird happening here, which I want to verify in your machine, Dave. Okay. So by hyperspace, though, you know I was talking about you know, yes. something located very far away. Correct. Um, if you go to your machine now and you hit F9, what happens? Well, F9 is the show all windows expose key. Uh, well, if I hit F9, it's going to fast forward. You, you mean hit hold function F9? Oh, well, well, that was the point I was trying to make. Okay. Is it on my machine? Yeah, and actually you're recording and stuff. That's probably yeah. a bad idea. Well, you know. It's when okay. I hit F9. Yeah. Yeah, nothing happens. What I wanted to mention, though, is that this reminded me that there's something in the keyboard control panel where you can toggle the uh, the function key behavior. Right. And right. there's a box. Oddly, it seems that the... I, I think this could be because it's a, it's on the portable, but there's a box that says use all F1, F2, etc. keys as standard function keys. Right. So so you're not using them as if you if you look on your you know on your keys you've got volume yeah. controls and and shuttle controls for the uh, DVD player and and QuickTime mm -hmm. and all that. So so if, if what I'm saying is if the function keys don't do what you expect, look in the keyboard uh, system preference and see what the state of that checkbox is at the very top. There you uh, go. That's actually, to our keyboard question, that's where you're going to find the checkbox for illuminating the uh, oh, yeah. the keyboard. And then the third thing, just to do the little tangent here, I don't know if you've seen <laughs> A tangent of a tangent? Yeah. There is a checkbox saying, show keyboard and character viewer in menu bar. I don't think I've ever seen this. And just in case you needed one more thing in your uh, in your menu bar. Yeah. But it's neat because the character viewer is something I, I had oh, not seen in the past. That's interesting. Or I'm sorry, the keyboard viewer. I think the character viewer you can get from an edit menu. But the keyboard viewer, yes, I'm sorry, we talked about that before, the character yeah. viewer. But the keyboard viewer is kind of neat. And I think that may be new in Snow Leopard. That's I'm not interesting. Because sure. if you hit that, the key. It, that reminds me of, um, uh, what was it in, in Mac OS like 6? Right there, there was something where you you could pull up the 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 keyboard thing, and I can't remember what it was because I've been traveling a lot lately, um, and I'm I'm burned out. Let's uh let's go on to uh, yes. Air, okay, so uh, we have an airport utility question. Hey John, hey Dave. Um, I was just wondering when you go into system or not system, excuse me, airport utility, and then you select your wireless base in base station, which in my case is a and Airport Express, and then you go to Wireless, and then you go to Wireless Options, and it's you know it has uh, Wireless Options, and it says Country, Multicat Rate, and what is Multicat? Because it it's set at two megabyte or two Mbps, which I have no idea what that means. So that's my question. Thank All right. you. Um, okay, so first of all, it's multicast, C-A-S-T, mm -hmm. um, although, you know, multicat is a completely separate problem that, that you solve a different way. You have that, don't you, at your place, multicats? We have multicats. Okay. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, two MBPBS, uh, what that means, well, it depends on the B. Uh, M, of course, is meg. B, if it's a big B, would be bytes, but I think in this case, this is a little B, which is bits. So it's, yes. I think by default, set to two megabits per second. Uh, but I guess the question is, what the heck is multicast? Uh, well, there's actually two questions here. What What is multicast? That's definitely one. Hmm. And number two is, what is this setting doing in my airport uh, express? So let's let's talk about multicast. And, and you know, John, I don't know about you, but I will quickly venture into uncharted waters for myself here. So I'm going to, I'm going to give my very layman's and probably horribly incorrect from a very technical standpoint, uh, interpretation of what multicast is. The idea is if you want to, uh, stream data to many computers at once, uh, you can do one of two things. Like if I want to send John a bunch of data, I can send it from my computer to his. Now, if I want to send John data and send uh, Pete data and send George data, well, I can do that one of two ways. I can send them all data individually, but then my computer is using three times that amount of data because I'm sending to all three of these separately. Multicast is uh, is a, a function of, of the TCP, maybe even UDP protocol, I can't remember which, but essentially it allows me to send once from my computer to multiple computers uh, all at once. And that, that's handy for, for various types of streaming data. 
Uh, it, did I get anywhere close, John, or is, is the gong going off? I'm going to say it's been a while since I looked at this. Uh, from what I recall, it involves a, a certain class of TCP IP packet. If a router or wireless base station sees a certain class of IP address and it's capable of multicast, it'll right. do it. And it's, uh, yeah, I think as you're saying, a more efficient way of distributing streaming content to uh, multiple machines. Okay, and, and this, we'll leave it at that. I think and this that... setting is, is, I guess, a reasonable threshold um, because I think when you play with that, you're impacting other other aspects of the uh, the base station. How well, you know, as far as how far it can go, how fast it can do other things. Right. So yeah. So my understanding of that setting in the airport utility is exactly what you said that it's a threshold, and and it's set to two megabits. And what that means is, as you let's let's step back for a second. Even though, let's say you have a, a base station that supports uh, 54 megabits a second, right? Now, some will support more than that, some will support less. But let's say both your computer and your base station, you know, commonly support a maximum of 54 megabits a second. Well, depending on signal quality, which is impacted by many things, including your distance from the base station, uh, you may not get that full uh, 54 megabits a second. You might only get, say, uh, 11 or... Uh, or, or, or five and a half or, you know, 25 or something in that range. And you can see this uh, if you go and hold down option and click on the airport menu in the menu bar, you'll see transmit rate. Now, that's the rate that you are sending to the base station. It's not necessarily the same as the rate that the base station is sending to you, though it's reasonable to expect that in many cases, those are going to be the same, if not similar. Uh so the idea behind this multicast threshold or this multicast rate threshold in the airport utility is to set for the base station, say, look, if someone is connected lower than whatever speed I set, don't include them on multicast packets because the base station has to then throttle that stuff uh, and it could impact other clients that are receiving it. So, you know, if you want to raise multicast up to 11, well, that's fine as long as you know that if there's a client at the, you know, at the fringe of the, the, the coverage area of that base station, they may not get multicast packets. Now, it might not matter at all if you're not doing anything like this. And I don't know that there's a whole lot that's doing multicast anyway uh, that you'd be using on your LAN. But, but, if, but if, if there is, you know, chime in and, and let us know. I'd, I'd actually like to hear um, from people that, that are actively using this multicast stuff and uh, have played with it. We're, we're, we're going pretty much here on, uh, you know, our research and, and theory, right. but nothing really practical. But, hey, sometimes... That's okay. Uh, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to Darren here uh, because we have a, a question for Mark, but I forget what it was. It was one that I prepped about a week ago, and uh, so we might go back to that. But but we'll definitely go to Darren here. He says my in quest my question involves using Time Machine to back up to a one terabyte Western Digital hard drive wirelessly via an Airport Extreme. Here is the error I receive. The backup disk image slash volume slash backup dash one slash Darren's computer and then um, underscore and a Mac address dot sparse bundle could not be accessed error 109. This has only happened since the upgrade to Snow Leopard. And what's interesting is that my volume named backup, not backup dash one, as it appears in the error message. My backups are currently halted. Any help you can, can provide would be a lifesaver. Okay, so... Uh, to me, the, 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 let's talk about the quick solution here, John, and then let's talk about why this has happened. Um, the quick solution for this is to go into your Time Machine system preference pane and reselect your backup drive. So, you know, go into uh, uh, system preferences, choose Time Machine, and then click select disk, and then rechoose your backup disk and let it go. It will find its place, uh, and it will, you know, it should just back up and and resume doing just what it was doing. Uh, that's the that's the quick solution. Now let's talk about what has happened here. My guess is, at one point in time, you had this drive connected to your Mac, or your Mac thought it was connected. And then you reconnected to this drive. And what happens is every time you connect a drive to your Mac, it creates what's called a mount point. And that mount point 
uh, has to be somewhere in the file system. It's, it's the way Unix works, okay? So, you know, you can have drives and you can have them name different things and they show up in the finder as though they're separate drives. But really the way the OS is seeing them is it's seeing them as all part of one big file tree. And so by default, and you can change this, but by default, when Mac OS X mounts a new drive, it puts a, the, that drive's name in the slash volumes folder. And that is the point at which it mounts it. So it, let's say you have a folder at the top level of your drive called My Stuff. Well, if the drive is called Dave's Drive, then the, the path to that drive is going to be slash volumes slash Dave's Drive slash My Stuff. That's where that folder lives. The issue comes if, there's, if it goes to mount a disk called, in Darren's case, Backup, and there's already a folder named Backup in the slash volumes folder. It can't overwrite that because... It's not really overwriting. It's merely a pointer. And if that pointer is live, it can't replace it. So it creates a pointer called backup dash one. Uh, and that my guess is that's what happened here. And then maybe with the Snow Leopard upgrade, it cleared out the volumes folder. And now when it mounted the backup drive, it mounted it where it, you know, didn't didn't see one there already. So it didn't have to add the dash one. And uh, and so that's what happened. So and then, of course, Time Machine got confused because it was looking for the dash one drive. But reselecting that disk should mm -hmm. uh, should fix it. That's that's my story on that one, John. I I'm with you on that. Sweet. That's good. But I've rarely seen it happen, so I'm wondering if it's due to a crash or something where that, Could be. You know, that mount remains when it should have been cleaned Sh up. Should have been wiped out. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen it. Well, I mean, if you have two drives with the same name, you'll definitely see it. Mm -hmm. And I've also seen it, like you said, yeah, if something didn't mount or didn't dismount properly, that would be the uh, that would be the way. All right. Uh, and we have no mute buttons either. So when we take drinks of water and cough, you folks get to hear all of that. Mm. It's great. It's beautiful. Use your hand. What's that? Use my hand and cover the mic so that they hear this muffled kind of thing. That would be worse. Somebody somebody would yell at us and say, you broke my speakers messing with your microphone. Um, where are we here? Okay, uh, I'm just looking time-wise. Uh, let's go on to... You know what? I want to talk about our second sponsor for this show, and that is Circus Ponies at circusponies.com with Notebook version 3.0. Notebook is an application that allows you to organize your thoughts by topic, subject, uh, location, uh, basically whatever you want. Uh, it When you open it, it, it's it's very plain and simple. It starts with what looks to be a, an electronic version of a spiral-bound notebook, and you can treat it just like that. You can go in and start typing, uh, but the strength really comes in when you start pulling in assets from elsewhere. If you have a PDF you want to pull in, if you have a fax you want to pull in, uh, if you you know scan a file, you can pull that in, and uh, and then you can start annotating these things and including the, the notes that you write into this notebook. So you could have a notebook about uh, your schoolwork or a project you've got going on at the office and you pull all this stuff together and now you're annotating all these different things and it allows you very quickly then to search for, okay, wait a minute, I know with this project, I have you know six PDFs and only three of them have to do with what Kevin's working on. So I, I know I tagged those with Kevin, so let me search for Kevin and bam, it's gonna find him. And uh, it can even search across multiple uh, notebooks. So if you've got you know a bunch of notebooks for projects at the office and you wanna see everything that's tagged with Kevin, well, you can do that too with their multi-deck search. So this is Notebook version 3.0 from Circus Ponies. It uh, of course is available for a 30-day free trial. And then you can, when you're ready, purchase it. $49.95 is a standard license. $29.95 if you're a student or involved in uh, the faculty at a school. Uh, family pack is $99.95 and uh, it's all available at circusponies.com. Again, that's notebook 3.0 from circusponies.com. I want to talk about, we'll go quick. Uh, Quirilio wrote in and he says, I'm having the same humming issue with my iPhone when I connect it to my car stereo through the headphone jack and at the same time I connect the car charger. Please, John, where can I buy these chokes that you mentioned? I would appreciate your feedback. Ooh, wow, I'm on the spot here. Um, I would say, uh, I, I think I've seen them the last time I was at your your friendly local Radio Shack. Yes. Now, which I believe, now you may have heard of this, that, that I think they're, they want to rename it to The Shack. 
Oh, that's interesting. That um, makes sense. I can see that. No, but it's like it's branding, no, some, sometimes marketing people need to be need to get a dope slap. <laughs> it's like the person that renamed sci-fi S-C-I-F-I to S-Y-F-Y. Yeah, that's pretty dumb. What were you thinking? I don't know. I don't know what to me. Sci-fi is a recognized brand, and it pretty much talks about most of what the network does. Yeah. What does SYFY tell you? Except that somebody can't spell. It's a I don't dumb know. name. But to me, yeah. the, the shack doesn't really have a positive connotation in my mind. Yeah. What kind of shack is it now? It I mean, could be a love shack. It could be B fifty twos might sue them. Which, if you like the B fifty twos, but to me, <laughs> just the image of a shack. You know, doesn't give me, doesn't instill confidence in me. A Radio Shack, on the other hand, to me, at least because I've, you know, seen Radio yeah. Shacks, to me instills a kind of geeky, technical nature to the store. So yeah. I, I hope they don't do it because... Yeah, I can see where they need to do something with their brand because it, Radio Shack is is a name that that is older uh, than the stuff and clientele that they now serve. But, but so if you're looking for these chokes there, uh, the... The, the help behind the counter may or may not know what you're looking for. I have found them. They're in the electronics section. There's a series of drawers and lots of drawers. Mm. And in every Radio Shack I've been in, it is in the lower left quadrant of these drawers. I think mm. the drawers are the same at every Radio Shack. So down the lower left quadrant of this you know, set of like three drawers across, uh, that's, that's, that's where you want to look. Make sure you buy one that's big enough so that you can loop the cable through it you don't just want to clamp it over the cable you actually want to run the cable through it twice with a loop mm. around the choke that's uh that's what will allow it to work the best so now the other thing that i've seen there and this was mostly when i was doing uh, uh, uh we'll call it 11 meters or cb radio yeah. work um they also have another type of device the other place where you may get noise especially in a car is is due to i guess sparks or I remember, I don't think I ever had to, had to use them, but I, but I did have friends, is that it's something that I think you, you put um, in line with the, the battery cable, because sometimes you can get popping or I other remember this. noises. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very fuzzy. I'll, I'll have to visit and see if they still have that specific part. Okay. But um, yeah, cars. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's weird power in cars, for sure. Uh, all right, let's jump to uh, to the cool stuff. Actually, you know what? We have a uh, we have a geek challenge, uh, so let's let's get that out of the way here. This is something John and I do not, or at least couldn't think of the answer to. Now, of course, we've both been traveling and up late and all that. So forgive mm. us if it's obvious, but please tell us if it's obvious. Don't don't just no, forgive us think and think is. that we'll think of it. Uh, so Jim writes, find. In macOS 10.5.8, and I believe this is true of, of 10.6 Snow Leopard as well, does not find files located in my system library. For example, a search for Shockwave 10 preferences, which exists at library, application support, macromedia, Shockwave 10, Shockwave 10 preferences, does not locate the file. 10.4 did find files such as this within the library. Do I have a setting askew? I can't find any reference to this uh, anywhere on the web, and he even checked Mac OS X hints. Uh, yeah, my, my experience has been that, that certain folders are omitted from the Spotlight Index, uh, and I, I, there's got to be a way to change that. So please, someone out there, uh, tell us so that we can, we can share that wisdom and impart it upon uh, the the collective hive mind that we call the uh, what the Mac Geek Gang. I think that's what we that's what we used earlier today. MG MG cubed. MG cubed. That's right. now <laughs> another thing. I may you know I didn't try this. It just came to me right now. Though I I've had mixed yeah. luck with this command. Is if you go to the uh, terminal, uh, there's a find command in oh, Unix. Oh, that's dangerous. It's not dangerous. It's arcane stuff. That yeah. The, the way you have to fill that command out. Yes. Okay. Yes. It, but it works. Uh, it it it's crazy though. I'm wondering if if but but I'm wondering if the find command in Unix if you if you cast the runes properly. Um, yes, would, yeah, well, it would find that file. It definitely okay. would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The issue with the find command is it does not use an index, uh, so it, right. you you are you are scouring the drive in real time. There is another command called locate or s locate, 
uh, in Unix that that uses an index similar to Spotlight, although it is a different index. And uh, and with that, you can control which folders are 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 scoured and which aren't. But it it builds that index usually once a week or or sometimes once a day, depending on. I think in OS ten, oh, it's once a week. I see. Okay, so looking at Find, yes, it seems that it expects you to give it a little hint as to where you think something is. Correct. So actually, in this case, it sounds like it would work. Mm-hmm. Since he knows where the file should oh, yeah. be. Well, you can always just give it slash, which is search the whole drive. I see. Right. But that, I mean, that could take a while. It, yeah, yeah. It'd take a very long time. Okay. Um, let's, let, let's, let, we've got a, a cool stuff found crossed with a question. So it's a nice little, little crossover for us here as we, as we navigate our way to the end of the agenda here, John. Uh, so Aladdin writes, I have the camera's pref pane, which should be a cool stuff found. So we'll talk about that. Uh, in my 10.5 uh, aluminum MacBook so that I can customize what happens when I plug in a specific camera. And it is very cool. This camera's prep pane allows you to, and I believe it's free now, uh, allows you to pick, you know, if you've got uh, your iPhone and your, you know, point and shoot camera and then your digital SLR, you know, you might want nothing to happen when you plug your iPhone in. You might want iPhoto to open when you you plug in your you know point and shoot and your DSLR you 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 might want uh, you know aperture to open right uh, so that's what cameras does the funny thing happened when I plugged in my mom's first gen eight gigabyte iPod Touch it detected a new camera but did not proceed to ask me what I wanted to do. Uh, my set default behavior for unknown devices. I find it very interesting since the iPod touches don't have cameras. I suggest, I suspect it's the prep pain's fault, but confusing maybe it with the iPhone. What are your thoughts, John? I'm going to tell you my thoughts. Please I, do. I think this is what it is, but here's a place that I suggest you look. Okay. Because I, I've seen this happen. My, when I plug in my iPod touch and there are pictures on it, Yeah. Um, it will launch iPhoto because iPhoto thinks you put in a camera. Now, how does iPhoto even know that it should be doing that? And I'll tell you. you how does iPhoto? it know it's supposed to be doing that, John? <laughs> Thank you. Um, you got it. Always here to help. iPhoto. Preferences. Uh, I'm sorry. Fi- uh, uh, iPhoto. File menu. No, no, I'm sorry. iPhoto. Preferences. In the general preferences, at the very bottom, there's an option saying connecting camera opens. And at least on my installation, it defaults to iPhoto. Well, there are a couple of other options. One is image capture, and another is no application. So I would look there and see what that is set to. I bet you it's set to iPhoto. Now, it sounds like to me cameras should. Cameras usually gets in the way of that, and and I believe it registers itself there as the app that's opened when a new camera is. Uh, so it so it can then manage the process. All right, I haven't installed cameras. I was going to, but yeah, I didn't have it's time cool. to. Okay, it's cool. so look look in that spot and see what it's set to. Yep. Like it, I bet you that'll do it. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, Nico writes in with, uh, with a menagerie of cool things found. So I would just read through this. Uh, and thank you, Nico, for, for taking the time to do this. He says, hi, John, Dave, and Pete. Hi, Pete, wherever you are. Uh, just stumbled over three nice little Snow Leopard features I did not find mentioned elsewhere yet. For, ne- for network printers, the appropriate driver is automatically downloaded and installed on the print client computer. A dialog sheet says something like configuring printer. Number two, in the print dialog that appears, if the ink is low, a low ink warning button next to the PDF pop-up menu. When clicked, the ink levels are shown, even for the network printers for all the models Nico tested. Number three, in the print queue to the right of each print job is a little right pointing arrow. When clicked, a special quick view window is displayed showing exactly what is being sent to the printer. This last one is the coolest thing to me, that you can actually see a preview of something sitting there in the print dialog job. So if you, you, know, if you were traveling, I do this a lot. I queue up a bunch of things and then I go and print them when I get home or if I decide to connect over the VPN and I can you know, magically make my printer print from, from remote. But, uh, but it, it, that's cool to be able to see what, uh, what's there. Thank you, Nico. Uh, you know, so John, I, I am in the midst of uh, what is probably the craziest travel schedule I've ever experienced in in an eleven day period. So starting seven days ago today, I have been on seven airplanes since last Thursday morning. Seven, seven. seven. That's inconceivable. And I have two more to go, and those will be on Friday to to get home. So nine nine airplanes in eleven days. 
and and I've been I've been tweeting about about this as I as I make my way through this, and it, and it's all been good stuff. We um, uh, last Thursday I I did a day trip back and forth to Manhattan to go to the Ad Revenue 2009 conference, which I, which was great. I didn't want to go only because I I didn't want to have to travel, but I'm really glad I went. And then I had a leisurely day in the office on Friday, mm-hmm. uh, and then Saturday we got on a plane with the family uh, and flew two planes actually flew down to uh, Delray Beach, Florida where we had to go for uh, a, a family member's birthday party. Now, the cool part was, we, you know, we were all sort of like, oh, gosh, you know, we got to travel and it's this crazy trip because we're going Saturday and then coming back Monday. But the best part was once we got there, it was like, hey, surprise, you're on vacation. Because, we, you know, we were hanging out at this resort in Delray Beach. And other than the party, we didn't really have anything else to do. So we hung out at the beach and it was actually it was nice. Uh, and then, of course, you know, I had a leisurely day in the office on Tuesday and now I am uh, here. I had a couple of interesting things happen uh, traveling. The first was while we were in Florida, we had bought a bunch of snacks or whatever at a pharmacy and, uh, you know, threw the stuff into our bags and, and brought it home. And one of my bags went through, or, you know, one of the bags, I don't know whose it was, it didn't matter, it was just stuff packed away, went through security and, you know, went through the x-ray and they're like, oh, uh, we need a bag check. We need, they got all freaked out, like crazy mm. freaked out. And so the guy's like, all right, you know, I got to check this out. And he unzips the bag. And the first thing he sees is a jar of peanut butter in there. Mm. And he's like, oh, this is the problem. He says, you don't want to know what this looks like on an x-ray. And I said, well, actually, I, I would, <laughs> you know, that, that, that's curious to me. Yeah. And and so, you know, the, the, the conversation led me to believe that uh, it looks like C4 explosives uh, on an x-ray, which stands to reason. I mean, it, you know, consistency wise and all that. So I said, OK, well, now that we we've established that it's not C4 and it's just mm-hmm. the peanut butter, can you know, are we cool? And he's like, oh, no, 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 you, you can't have this. So he took the peanut butter to a, a secure trash can and, and threw it away, and then he re-ran the bag through, and, and it you know, cleared. You know, the same thing happened when I was uh, in Florida recently so no with peanut my butter. friends, Josh and Abby. Yes, she had peanut butter as well, because her, her son likes peanut butter, mm-hmm. and um, nope, they took it away. It was good peanut butter, too, like organic, yeah, and uh, yeah. but yeah, it, I guess it is considered a paste. A paste. Which right. they... Right. Now, so you could no, but, bring... But I had... We had a... a, a I had a Twitter follower, uh, Kirshen, men- mentioned that I, I think I think it was Kirshen, or may- no, maybe it was Nadine over at Microsoft, um, who said that a peanut butter and jelly sandwich was confiscated for the same reason. So it's not just peanut butter in a jar that's a problem; it's peanut butter in any kind or form, which gets interesting. Well, yeah, it- you know, I had these bars that I've been getting lately, and they do have a peanut butter flavor. Now, would that be bad? Because I don't no, know. No, because it's not, it's not paste. paste. It's not, yeah. It's, it, I think it's, it's the consistency thing. And, and, you know. So, I could already see a market here for quickie peanut butter makers. Because yeah. I assume you can bring peanuts with you. <laughs> and I think peanut what about, butter is... What about, what about reconstituting it by adding water on the other side? Because you can take that pool water that they put in the water fountains there, uh-huh. and you can make some chlorinated peanut butter with it. So you're saying dehydrated peanut butter. Correct. So you bring peanut butter powder Like astronaut through. peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that'd be very pleasant. Okay. But, but no, grinding them on the spot, because I don't think... Yeah. I mean, you maybe have to add a little water, but I think peanut butter is basically ground oil, peanuts. Oil and peanuts. Little oil. Yeah. Well, pe- well, the peanuts already have the oil, right? Uh, no, I think you got to add a little oil to you it. You do? Okay. I think so. I think so. I've never made peanut butter. Maybe we should make some peanut butter. We're way Let's off topic, but that's okay. Yeah, I think we are. <laughs> okay. And, uh, uh, so the other thing was, you know, it's great. The airlines now all charge you, or many of them charge you for uh, checking even your first bag. And and really all that's done is it serves, well, it serves two purposes. One, if you do happen to check a bag, they tend to come off the plane very, very quickly because there's not nearly as many bags being checked as there used to be. But number two is it causes all everybody to try and cram as much stuff as they can into the overhead bins. Now, the issue I, I and that's fine. The airline signed up for this, but but the one thing that they need to do is they need to enforce because they aren't enforcing and over the years they haven't enforced the sizes. You know, I see, you know, they say it's a 22-inch limit. I see people bringing 24 and 26-inch bags on there and, you know, trying to cram them in and if it's too thick, they cram it in. And and that's the problem. Now, this was US Air flight we were on. And uh, we were in like the middle boarding group. We weren't, you know, getting on the plane too late, but maybe later than we usually would. And uh, we're in the jetway and we had checked one bag and then we had a couple of small uh, carry-ons, you know, 
Pullman kind of carry-ons that would go in the overhead bin. And the guy came out and said, sorry, all the overhead bins are full. Uh, we're going to have to check this for you. And we said, okay, well, and it was what the kids were using as their, as their carry-on. I mean, it had some of their clothes in it, but it was also what they mm. were using to store, you know, whatever it was they wanted to bring with them on the plane. And, uh, and we said, well, okay, you know, uh, why? And like, well, you know, people have filled them up. Okay, well, you're gonna, are you going to gate check them for us? Which would mean that as soon as we get off the plane, they're going to give them to us right there at the gate. Mm -hmm. And they said, no. No, we're going we're gonna to carousel check them. Now, had we not had anything else carousel check, that really would have sucked. Right? Mm -hmm. We were going to the carousel anyway, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But what was a big deal was, A, uh, we had valuables in there. My daughter had her, you know, she has a cell phone that, that she carries. She had a, a digital camera that she just bought uh, that was in this. And, and the guy said, well, you got to take your valuables out. You got to put those in your carry-on. And my daughter looked at him and said, this is my carry-on. Uh, you know, there's nowhere else to put it. That's uh -huh. why it's in there. And, uh, and, and the guy said, well, it'll be fine. So, so they actually took our bags knowing that they weren't locked. They had no ID on them. We had no luggage tags on our carry on bags and, uh, and with valuables inside, they took them now all's well that ends well. And, and we did get our bags and you know, there was no, no problem. But, uh, the lesson I learned is make sure, and I've heard this before, but, but now I understand why uh, make sure you put uh, an identity tag on even your carry-on stuff. Make sure yeah. that it's I think got they, your they name on it. They usually will have a you know a box of them at yeah. most check-ins. Yeah, yeah. I think my latest computer bag. I got this nice TiVo bag for. Yeah. Um, if if they did have a beta program and I participated in it, this is what I would get. But since you but, cannot talk about TiVo beta program, no, I'm just that's kidding. right. <laughs> um, but you know the other thing that gets me is like for example some of my computer bags. To me, that's not something I'd want to check. Oh, no. That would get destroyed. It's not meant to get tossed around like no. the, the Samsonite Gorilla no. doing. And the problem was on this plane, you know, U U.S. Air had uh, not expanded their overhead bins. So even a 22-inch bag uh, wouldn't fit lengthwise. You had to turn mm. it sideways in the overhead bin. So there was a ton of wasted space there. But yeah, like I said, all's, all's well that ends well. Yeah, U.S. Air, you said? Yeah. Oh, I know. Did did they tell you about their wonderful credit card during the... Yeah, uh, during the flight. That was really nice. Oh, on the first flight, they didn't have to tell us about it because it was right there. Uh, there was a sticker on the tray table. So as the tray table came down, there's a, a, a full-size sticker, the full size of the tray table, it, it, yeah. advertising the, uh, the credit card or Verizon service or something. Yeah. I, I flew this time with United. Okay. So, so the downside is that they nailed me 20 bucks for my bag. Sure. Um, the good news is that they have free headphones. Hey, which is pretty good. But of course, nice. I have my Edemotics here, right. or, or the, the ones I replaced. But that is something that that has always bothered me about U.S. Air. Yes. Is that to me the safety announcements are for safety amount, announcements? It's not for telling me about how many bonus miles I can get with your stupid credit card. <laughs> I agree, and you can tell the flight attendants hate delivering that message. They they know how bad it is. So. I kind of feel bad for them. Yeah. yeah. All right, so I'm, uh, I'm bringing the band in here. iPhoneAlley.com is the place you can go to find out what Michael Johnston is up to when he is not converting this show to AAC for us and for you. Cashfly, of course, provides all the bandwidth uh, to get this show from us to you. John, if people wanted to contact us, how would they do that? What are you asking me for? No, the, the first way I try to contact us is uh, you could call us at 206-666-GEEK, which is, Dave? Well, I'm checking the phone right now. It's 4335. Yeah. Oh, actually, we got to remember that maybe not all phones... Have, no, I think most phones still have letters on them. I think so. Yeah. I, think, but, I hope uh, so. They may not. No, someday it, it's sort of an obscure, you know, hearkening back to the old, old days. It's, it's really not... Uh, Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you can email us at feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Now, I thought you said, but I just want to make sure, Dave, that you said feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Oh, yes, I did. I said feedback at MacGeekGab.com. And you can not only email us, but you could give us an audio attachment, which right. we really like. We um, like and speaking of audio, if you don't want to do the email thing and you want to do the Skype thing, you can Skype to... Mac Geek Gab. And we even played, I think, uh, uh, whose comment was it today? I think Harvey's comment was, uh, was through Skype, and we had quite a few, excuse me, quite a few this week that, uh, that came in through Skype. So. Yeah. The quality is still lacking, I think. I think we much prefer if you do it like with your iPod or yeah. with a, a nice uh, local 
yeah setup because sometimes they, they get wonky but uh but know, it works if, if it works for you then yep. uh, it works for us yep uh the uh we are of course here at blog world expo 2009 in las vegas it uh, it runs from today the 15th of october through saturday which is the 17th of october we will we will report more on what we've seen here and our experiences here uh, at the end of the at the end of the thing. I don't know if we'll do another podcast while we're here. We've got a nice setup now, but uh, I'm not sure if time will permit or if we'll just simply do one on uh, on Monday once we're back in in our in our humble abodes mm-hmm. uh, without being in the flight path here at McCarran International. I think it's oh, and international. McCarran gets thumbs up because they have free Wi-Fi. Oh, do they? They have slot machines, too. The place is crazy. Vegas has slot machines? You're kidding me. I know. <laughs> the podcast marketplace includes the A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, Text Expander and Text Expander Touch from Smile on My Mac, Notebook from Circus Ponies, and Pathfinder 5 from Coco Tech, all through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. And, John, with that, I think we are out of here. I'm going to try and turn up the volume on the band. There they are. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know what happened? You, You heard about Balloon Boy? Yeah. As it turns out, he got caught. It's okay, Carl. Made up.